Are we ready? Howdy, everybody. Howdy, everybody. I'm Robert. And I'm Ira. And this is Money Shot. It is. And this week, we have an old face, Ira. An old... You mean... Are you talking about me? More than just your old face. <laughs> we have, sitting in the corner, like a good dunce, John Walski. John! Yeah! Uh, <laughs> what, what, what an introduction. <laughs> Pleasure to be here. John Walski, also known as DJ Aristocat, is in the house. And uh, John and I started out in film school together way back when. And uh, this week, just so everybody knows, we're going to review the movie It. And we're also going to be talking about our top five clown movies. Actually, Robert, and you clarify, it's not clown movies. You're right. It's movies that feature clowns. So, I'm talking to your mic there. I'm oh, losing yeah, your right. There you go. Movies that feature clowns, which could be different than clown movies. Yeah. yeah. All right. Especially Fair enough. Because yeah. there's not that many clown movies. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, the ones right. that there are, there are pretty shitty. So, John, let's talk a little bit about you. So, give us a little bit about, about your background in terms of film. Also, you know, you, you've got an extensive music history as well. So, talk a little bit about yourself. How did you get started? Uh, well, I attended Southern Illinois University, which uh, is where I met Robert here. Oh, uh, yeah. That's, I seem to remember you stinking up the other half of the room that I was stinking up. I don't remember it like that. No. But, uh, yeah, you, you were one of the reasons I got into film, actually. Oh, really? you were already a film major, and I was undecided. And then I worked on your films, and then I decided I could do films better than you. <laughs> <laughs> and I've been proving him wrong ever since. Uh, no, actually, John and I go way back. And actually, I, I don't know if you know this, but John is the death and Cannonball of Death. John and I started Cannonball of Death together. I am the darkness. <laughs> I, I didn't, you're, you're, you're darker than Robert? Uh, he's gotten darker as the years have gone on. That's probably true. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so John and I were in film school, and we were trying to come up with a name for like our our films. And he pointed out, he was like, "We got to do something with your name, you know, because you you got this this good sounding name, Canon." And I was like, "Well, you, you're like evil, so uh, Cannonball of Death just kind of came out." I don't know why I was evil, but. Well, actually, are you death or are you ball? <laughs> I think I think you're oh, it's oh, canon I, I ball. Ball. Yeah, I ball. Um, but yeah, so after Southern, I uh, moved out to LA, worked in film for a bit. Right. Worked in a couple of production companies, worked on some music videos, and then transitioned into music full time. Uh, became a DJ, taught myself music production, similar to film production, you know, post production editing. Um, and yeah, just haven't looked back. Been a been a working DJ for the last. 15 years and you you not only uh dj not only dj music but you also you do a little bit of video as well do you not yeah i do video djing and i'll uh, i'll make my own edits can you tell us a little bit about that um it's basically just uh you can you can take any type of found video footage or you can shoot your own and you can in the dj program i use you can just lay it over any audio track so you can just literally down stuff off, download stuff off of youtube and then drag and drop it onto a video while you're djing huh. live and do it live you can do that live while you're playing so I do that a bit around Hollywood, and there's some places in Vegas that, that do it still. Now, does that does that complicate the issue when you're trying to DJ music and then you're also DJing video at the same time? It makes it more difficult, um, but once you get used to it, I'm, you know, you pre, a lot of it you can set up beforehand, so you kind of know what you're going to do. Mm. Um, but there are times where you kind of just have to freestyle. Like I did an 80s party where I had to download all these like old 80s commercials and movie clips and stuff, and then was kind of just doing it on the fly like the night of okay now do you when you do that do you ever pull in the audio from the video that you're bringing in as well or is it just a pure visual experience um with the drag and drop videos you can only use the the visual part of it i see um but with with dj i mean you can use any type of audio sample you want and then 
just layer video over it so you could you could do that and like combine the two and just use it as a just separate track like on a different on the other turntable so ira you know i know you were very big into the dj scene you know i know you had a very extensive breakdancing career in the 1980s i i would scratch with the two turntables <laughs> you're amazed i even know that term scratch aren't you <laughs> you just I had a name. you know from your old phonograph years, right? <laughs> no, <it was laughs> the my, hand crank Victrola. My my uh, my DJ name was uh, Boogaloo Ira. <laughs> Boogaloo Ira. <laughs> <Pretty> good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I have so many anti-Semitic I, jokes yeah. that I'm editing out right now. Why Jeez. why censor yourself now? Robert? That's true. All right, so DJ <laughs> Heeb over here is, uh, <laughs> is getting on it. Um, so. One of the things that was always interesting to me, and I, I, watching John learn how to DJ, I remember you know, John and I lived together when we first moved out to Los Angeles, and he had he he had more money than the rest of us, which meant he had maybe like you know a thousand dollars or something, which by that standard was he was the millionaire. You know, all all the other everyone else was dirt broke, but John invested in himself and bought a, you know two turntables and was like, all right, I'm gonna fucking learn how to do this. And we were all just like in awe. Like we all thought that was that was really cool. It was really interesting at the time, and didn't really. I didn't understand a lot about DJing. That how it, it, it you know basically you're going from one record to the other, and you have a fader that kind of that transitions. I'm I'm not speaking out of turn, am I? No, you're correct. All right, so you're basically taking from one record to the other uh, by use of this fader. So the question I want to ask you, and I'm, I'm setting you up, Iris, so that you understand when I asked I asked John this question, when you're DJing with video. Is it similar? Are you are you DJing from one image to another image? And can you go back and forth? How does yeah, that work? Yeah, you can set it up different ways where the fader it splits like kind of like a dissolve. Like you can just dissolve straight through if you wanted, or you could do hard cuts and like cut in between the videos. Okay. And then on the software I use, you can also do like split screens and like wipes, and you can do like multiple boxes and like you can get you can get crazy with the technology. Is now. your signature move the star wipe? Uh, you can do a star wipe. I've never used that effect other than at home, just to just to like make myself laugh. Normally, I just I do straight cuts and like dissolves and stuff like that, cause just because it it gets to be a little over the top. And you you were very uh, I would say the area of your expertise in college was really editing. Would you agree with that? Yes. So John was really big into editing, and um, something else I should mention too that John and I recently shot a short film. Uh, all time lapse, and then John also edited that film, and that film is going to be playing before That's our right. feature film Thirty Love, which is coming well, up. And on Ira is one of the producers on the film. Yeah. That's yeah. absolutely true. Ira is the executive producer. Yeah. yeah. So, um, we all we, we can all suck each other's dicks. In just a minute. <laughs> But uh, when will that be screened? Oh, that's right. Thursday, <laughs> September 28th. <laughs> but one of the things I really liked about the way that you edited it, John, was, uh, you know, you also designed the music for the film and you cut it in a way that, that really matched the music and really made the music e explode and the visuals explode at the same time. Can you talk a little bit about your editing process? How do you usually go about it? I like explosions. <laughs> uh, I usually just cut by feeling, to be honest. Like, yeah. I, I keep doing it until I've, it feels right. Um, hmm. Even if it's down to like a frame, I'm the same way with music production. Like I'll just keep, I'll just sit in the room for seven. I mean, you were there one of the nights when I was editing. It was, just, I, I just don't stop once I get into the groove. Yeah. Um, I don't know how much more to elaborate than that. But. Well, you know, one thing that you do that I I really like, uh, Mike Cavell, our, our one of our professors in college. He had always mentioned, you know, if there's something that's out of focus, get it out of there. If it's a bad shot, get it out of there. 
And I really I like that and really respect that about the way that you edit because I've seen you. Uh, we, we will spend maybe all night shooting three or four shots of time lapse. And then when I, we get into the editing booth, it doesn't work and you, you're brutal with it. And you just say, it doesn't work. Got to gotta get it out of there. Well, you have to be, yeah. And I like that. I think that's a really, I think that's a, a good uh, a good approach, and there's no emotion tied to the shot anymore. It's like the, that time is over. We've shot it. It's not working. Let's move on. And I think the the films that I've seen you edit, and you did a lot of that in college as well. I thought that was a really interesting approach because I know for me, I was always still emotionally tied to mm. whatever shot we had done. Of oh, dude, but we worked so hard for that, and I really like that. John's always been very uh, look. This is it's it's just end results, and Whoa. if the results don't look good, then it's out. Well, yeah, well, one thing I think one of our professors, I think it might have been Lauren Cocking, who's, mm-hmm. who's said garbage. The best last name ever, Cocking. That yeah. was his last name. Garbage in, garbage out. It's uh. like you can't, you can only polish a turd so much. So it's like I've always come to by that philosophy where if it just if it doesn't work, <laughs> same thing with music, where if it's just not working, then you just throw it away and you either start over or you go back and reshoot it. And, you know, I'm my own worst critic and your own worst critic. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> you could always tell that if you if you had done something good, John would be like, it's all right. <laughs> all right, yes! Success. We did awesome! <laughs> That's the ultimate compliment. Huh? Yeah. 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 I hear that uh, DJs in the Hollywood scene get uh, at the clubs, get laid a lot. Huh? That's not been my experience. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, uh, yeah, I know that was a joke, but like, uh, I just want to get out of there by the time this thing's over. Like, I'm standing for four or five hours, and it's like, unless it's like, Set up, I'm out the door. <laughs> but don't all these skinny girls all coked out in miniskirts and five-inch stilettos hit on you and invite you out? Well, those girls out. like guys with a lot of money. Oh, so. <laughs> <laughs> the DJ life doesn't afford that? Uh, it's gotten better. It's gotten okay. better, but, you know. Now, now I don't like the coked-out girls is the problem. Oh, no. So you don't? Huh. Yeah. Just the miniskirts. <laughs> miniskirts don't lie. Those are good. <laughs> Producer Joey's giving me a look. Uh, all right, well... Cool. Anything else you want to ask, Ira? Uh, uh, no. But welcome. <laughs> no. And we're really you. glad you're glad here. Glad to be here. All right. Thank you. Yeah. Well, on that note, I think we have a little bit of uh, stuff, a little bit of business to get to. We do. Which, and ins- which installment should we do first? Well, I think we should talk about dead people you first. You do. I do, you but sure here's my idea. Now, you- now, listen. Yeah. Oh. John, you don't know this, but Ira has written some poetry. A sterling <sighs> poetry. And every week it annoys me. But Vernon Wells last week was so great on the on the show. He he did a, a live reading. I'm wondering if we can ask Prickly John here to do a little poetic reading of your poem. Would you mind? So I see. So you're going out of your way for every future podcast yeah. to take this away from me, so you don't have to hear my reading. It's still your word. I but think he's really the implication the is that you don't care for the reading Listen, itself. I I want. Uh, Vernon's reading of uh, of the, the actual top five yeah. was amazing. I know. And no one's going to beat that. Right. So I think we should just keep, we'll use Vernon's every time. But You know, Robert, it would have been nice if you had run this by me prior it to recording. It would have been. But you know what? That would have been more it would have sensitive. Been, it would have been bad pod. Bad pod. This it's is always good about pod. good pod, isn't it? You're putting me on the spot, but fortunately for you and our listeners, I'm a good sport, aren't so, I? You are. Yeah. So here's what go, I suggest. Yeah, go fuck yourself. Why don't you pick one poem that you want to read? And we'll have our guest read one of the other poems. We're alternating now? No. Because we have two, sequins, well, actually, two sequences. Three. But, and then the last, well, the last one, Vern will always, always by, do. Vern, we're going to put that puppy in, aren't we? There you go. So, okay. So for the dead corner, yeah. you're, should I ask? Uh, sure. Uh, we'll have John read it. Okay. Um, I bracketed 
the stanzas. Okay, so just those now, stanzas. But there. since you took this role away from me, may I coach him? What? Let's see what he does. Well, let's see if he does it. Again, you're censoring me. You're, why don't you just put a muzzle on my Well, let's, let's critique his performance. Just, let's see how he does. Which, what, which one am I reading from oh, here? The one that's bracketed. The top one? Or I don't the, know if I'm comfortable middle. with this. What, it says dead corner. Okay. But just do the two that are bracketed. Yeah. Okay. With, John, with feeling. <laughs> Slowly with feeling. I don't really Somewhat remember. Feel, I don't really remember feelings. <laughs> I got to be honest. Feeling. Uh, those, those left me long ago. <clears throat> and now the moment we have to say the following people passed away. And then just the other bracket. Oh, the other no, bracket. Yeah, bracket. Yeah. The other bracket. <laughs> yeah. Gotta tell you, unfortunately, we must. The following people have turned to dust. No, tell me that's not great. You don't like that? Are you saying he's better than I am? No, I'm not saying he's better than you. I'm saying it's good podcast. Robert, in my defense, I've been reading for years. <laughs> Barely. All right. Well, let's talk about who died this week, Ira. Whatever. <laughs> Ira's the, salty. Yeah, the dead corner. We should mention it's been... A little bit longer than a week. It's actually been a, a week and a half since we recorded last. Right. Because of that, we have a few more names than usual. And uh, we'd like to acknowledge the some are extremely well-known and some aren't, but they're all notable in their own way. We lost the following people. A British um, production designer named Alan McDonald, 81 years old. He did The Queen. That was a hell of a movie, wasn't mm. it? Uh, the best... Uh, um, exotic Marigold Hotel, and we should acknowledge a production okay. designer. Robert, what does a production designer do? They're in charge of the visuals of the film. So everything that you're seeing on screen, uh, the set dressings, the backdrops, the uh, the uh, everything that's not costume and not I was going to say, does it include costume? No, no it doesn't. Although they it's... do work very closely with the costumer. Did you see The Queen? Did uh, John, did. did you see The Queen? I did. Yeah? Do you liked it, Ira? Oh, Yeah. It was, you it was, didn't. It was excellent. Yeah, I thought it was really, really strong. I thought it was real. She was great. It was Helen, right? Yeah. Yeah, Helen. Yeah. She's wonderful in that. So we lost Alan. Also, 91-year-old Hungarian uh, director and screenwriter. Uh, let me button yeah. real fast. 61, Alan McDonald. That's pretty young. I know. I know. I actually went deeper into his bio to find out what... It's interesting I'm doing this, and when I die, who's going to do the who's gonna do John Corder? John. I got you. I got you. Hey, you got my back. Yeah. You got my back. Hey, remember that guy, Ira? Oh, He's yeah. dead. He's dead. All right. Moving on along. <laughs> um, but yeah, Alan was only 61. However, Caroloy Mack, Mack, M-A-K-K, 91, Hungarian film director, screenwriter. Also, Richard Anderson, you guys, 91 years old, an American actor. Now, he was mostly known for television. He The Six Million Dollar Man, The Bionic Woman. Right. But he did do a lot of films, uh, including Forbidden Planet. And I, I checked his bio, and there were a lot of movies. Not a leading man, necessarily. More of a character actor in all these feature films. Was it mainly B-movies that he was doing? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But he's mostly television. And if I may just share one personal thing. Please. He... I was obsessed with a TV series, The Fugitive, in mm. the late 60s with David Jansen. There was a two-part final episode, which, by the way, garnered the highest audience at that time for a weekly episodic TV series mm. in the history of television, later to be usurped Mash? by... Even, even, well, this was before MASH, and also Who Shot J.R. Oh, right. topped that Dallas. one as well. Okay. But I want to say that Richard Anderson played Dr. Richard Kimball's uh, brother-in-law, married to uh, Richard Kimball's 
sister. Okay. So it just meant something to me. And so he's him kind in that of role. hopping it, around. He was hopping around, mostly television, but films as well. We lost him. He was 91. Shelley Berman. Uh, I don't know if you gentlemen are familiar with Shelley Berman, American comedian, actor, and uh, Don't Mess With The uh, the Zohan. And, wait, uh, did Meet somebody else die from Don't Mess With The Zohan? I th- oh, no, wait. That was Eddie that got hurt on... You're right. You're right. Don't Mess With The Zohan. And I do want to... Oh, also, he had he, his career was suddenly there's a resurgence because of a curb your enthusiasm i want to say one thing about shelly berman 92 years old and again i am certainly dating myself here he was known in the mid 50s uh, for making these recordings in fact here's some great trivia he was the first person to win a grammy for a spoken record really? a spoken record yes and his shtick was that he pretend he was on the telephone Bob Newhart also did this. There was an image of him with his legs crossed, sitting on a stool, talking to operators, fighting with customer service on the phone. It was funny stuff in the 50s, and that's how he got his start. Was it it like a a skit kind of deal? It was a skit. He'd often be on Jack Parr. Hmm. He would do that kind of shtick. And again, he'd be in a suit and tie, button-down collar, legs crossed, sitting on a stool, miming a a phone in his hand, dealing with a customer service rep. Oh, I see. And it was very, very funny. He was known for that, then became a character actor as well. Was it the same... Was it the same bit every time? Or it always changed. He, okay. It was, a, it was a similar in tone, okay. but always a different content. I gotcha. Yeah. Uh, we also lost uh, Novella Nelson, 77 years old, American actress, who was in A Perfect Murder and uh, also in Antoine Fisher. Wait, which one was A Perfect Murder? I Googled that. You wonder who was in that? Was that Clint Eastwood? No. Well, I know that's what a you're perfect thinking. crime. It was or uh, Catherine Zeta Jones. And who was, was it Michael? Michael Doug- Douglas. Michael Douglas, yes. Which one was that? Mm hmm. It's the one where Michael Douglas played a rich guy. Yes. Oh, oh really? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you mean every movie? Typecasting. Yeah, yeah. That was the joke. But uh, Novella Nelson, 77. Harry Giddies, 81 years old, a prominent American producer. He did About Schmidt, which is a hell of a movie. Man, I loved it. I love that film. Did you like that, John? Just okay? Yeah, oh, was I was okay. riveted by that drive. He said, oh, I loved the girl next door, and I have a tiny bit of background story, if I may share this as well. Mm-hmm. In uh, He produced three Jack Nicholson movies, and in Chinatown, Jack Nicholson, they were very close, those two gentlemen, wanted his character to be known as J.J. Giddies, and that's how he'd say J- and it was an homage to his producing pot buddy, Harry, Harry Giddies. Giddies. Huh. That's where he got the name for the, his gumshoe. We also lost Murray Lerner, 90, American documentary and documentarian. There you go. He won an Oscar. And uh, Glassstone. Do you know what for? No, one of his documentaries. <laughs> Best documentary. Uh, no, nobody cares about documentaries. Right? <laughs> Who cares about documentaries? Glassstone, Moshkin, 88, Italian actors in The Godfather, part two. And uh, Mario Hernando, 68, a Filipino film critic. We should acknowledge oh, film fuck critics. The critic. all, yeah, I mean, fuck wait, what? I don't know. Blake Heron, 30, 35 years old, American actor in Shiloh, and we were soldiers. Wow, how did yeah, he die? Do you I know? don't know. I don't know. I, I tried to find the answer, and it didn't say what he died from. Hans Alfredson, 86 years old, a Swedish actor, also a film director. And the last person on my list is Kirk Douglas. He's dead. So, yeah, like, you know, whatever. Okay. Kirk Douglas? Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Okay. So. You're not going to mention Kirk Douglas? Yeah, le, yeah, well, whatever. Yeah, well, he's um, kind of important, I guess. Did lots of movies, <laughs> gold, gold era of TV, and uh, and he got old, he died. Huh, 
All right. Yeah. We should also, we try to open it up, the word dead, dead corner, that anything in the way of death of a marriage or death of relationships, um, celebrity couples who broke it up, if anyone has any to contribute, we'd love to hear from you. And the final is death of a career. Actors who've made bad choices in films, if anyone wants Who's to suggest. Who's dead? Who's made a bad choice in film to, career? Uh, recently? Yeah. I can't think of anyone. No? No, can you? Lindsay Lohan. Yeah. Well, she's oh, dead. Well, she's Amanda you know. Bynes. Oh, man, watching her. her meltdown was so much. What fun. did happen to her? Amanda Bynes. Yeah, she just went nuts. Yeah, <laughs> women. What else is new? <laughs> Getting the same look from producer Joey. <laughs> um, yeah, watching Amanda Bynes's meltdown was. So, I never liked Amanda Bynes, but I liked her so much more while she was falling apart. Oh, who's the dude from The Mummy? He's, his career fell apart, Oh, too. Brandon Fraser? Yeah, he's, like, uncastable. Yeah. He Chris, really Chris is. Klein, the guy from American Pie, I think. Was Chris Klein was that his name? Yeah, I feel like I've seen him in something recently. Uh, I don't think you have. Maybe I haven't. Oh, I've got one. Yeah? Jim Carrey. Yeah, he's definitely... What? He's on the vine, for he's sure. He's kind of weird these days. Well, first of all, I know you're not a fan. We spoke about mm-hmm. it years ago, but he made a lot of important, wonderful films. And uh, all of a sudden, we don't see him around anymore. He's quite peculiar. He's got that huge beard. Yeah. And on the talk shows, people with beards are off. fucking weird. David Letterman grew a huge beard yeah. also. And I and, you realize you and I have beards. Well, right? yes, but ours is trimmed. It's manicured. Oh. It's groomed. So we're going crazy. What's happened to Jim Carrey? He seems off. He seems. Speaking off. of beards. Catherine Heigl. <laughs> she has a beard. <laughs> okay. All right. That's that's it for the uh, dead corner. Okay. Well, let's talk about week in review. Ah, and once again, I guess you're going to take this away from no, me. No, no, no. This oh, is your oh, turn to this shine. This one I get to do. Yeah. Who makes these rules? Me. Yeah. What else is new? I mean, producer Joey, this is all her idea. I don't believe you. She wouldn't. She's got my back. It was her idea, wasn't it? She's flipping you off. (laughs) All right, go ahead. Other movies we've seen during the last seven days. Some are stinkers. Some we want to praise. Some are old. Some are new. We now present the week in review. John, you think you could do that better? You want to try? That that was perfect. (laughs) Thank you. Hey, you go first this time. Uh, All right, what did I see this week? Uh, I've been... I I still am trying to catch up with a lot of television stuff. Uh, Watched, obviously, the Game of Thrones season finale i watched the new deuce tv did you see deuce i haven't watched deuce yet yeah i watched narcos though i didn't see narcos deuce is good you'll like it it no? seems similar to the other new york show they just had for on first season and canceled because it was like the music show that was set in the 70s oh right 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 that um like, like mick jagger and scorsese were i know producing. what you're talking about yeah i didn't, didn't see that this one's pretty good oh, vinyl that's what yeah. it's called this is pretty good it's uh same guy that did the wire mm. So it's uh, it, it's, it's about good. porn, right? Yeah, it's all porn. You, my friend Ira, would love the Deuce. You know who gets naked a lot in the first episode? Who? Your girl Maggie. Maggie. Mm-hmm. Maggie. Joan Hall. Oh, I like yeah. her. Can we you, talk about secretary? Oh, anyway. You're gonna want to talk about the Deuce. Do you have HBO? Yes. You're gonna want to watch that tonight. I will. You're gonna want. You're gonna want to fast forward to about you know, 35 minutes in. I have a crush on her. Yeah, no shit. Wait, wait, who is the other one that you have a big crush on? Anna Kendrick. Anna Kendrick. So if it came down between... I have a thing for Anna Kendrick. I have a thing for these like nerdy type... Yeah. Quiet kind of... So if it came down to Maggie or Anna, who would you pick? Maggie. 
Maggie? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Th- there was no thought on that at all. You just right there. Ma- Maggie. Maggie's my woman. Yeah. 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 I like her brother too, but not in that way. Oh. Yeah. You just want him to watch. You're into that cuckolding <laughs> shit. He's possibly more effeminate though. <laughs> That's possibly true. <laughs> Uh, what else did I watch? I watched a documentary. Um, I watched the Bitcoin. I watched a, a little bit of a documentary about uh, NASA's control room, and that was really interesting. Contemporary or back in the sixties, throughout, throughout the years. Yeah. That's real interesting. The actual monitors. Yeah, and like who's all the, there and what all they the do. people and what the, yeah what their roles I'm fast, are. This was the name of that documentary. I think it's called like Control Room. Mission Control. It's Mission called Mission Control. Control. Yeah, it's on Netflix. You I've always been fascinated by the rows of computers, the rows and rows. Yeah. And of course, the image we have with TV in the 60s and 70s, they'd be in the white shirts, the narrow ties. Yeah. And what they were doing at those consoles, I want to know more That's about that. That's what the that. whole documentary is about. Fascinating. Cool. John, what did you see this week? I saw Ingrid Goes West. How was it? It was great. Was it? Yes. All right. Uh, what was great about it? Uh, Aubrey Plaza just pretty much. Oh, I like her too. She took over that role. I, like you, Robert. You, I don't want to get too much into my backstory, but you know, I, I had some uh, legal problems that mm-hmm. I had to deal with with a person who shall not be named. Mm-hmm. And the movie Voldemort. is yeah. The movie is basically about a, a woman with uh, mental problems who uh, is using social media to kind of like stalk people and infiltrate their lives, and. She's John amazing. had a stalker. I don't know if you could pick that up, Ira. She is amazing, and uh, Aubrey Plaza is amazing in this movie. It actually, it, it was uncomfortable at times for me to watch because like the mannerisms and like it, it just hit really close to home for me. But wow. it, it was it was really well done. And uh, the, one of the Olsons is in the the other the young one, the legitimate actress one. Oh, she's actually really good in it too. The one that was in Wind Wind yeah. what's her name? Wind River. Yeah, who's uh, an FBI agent? Yeah, I I didn't love her in Wind River, but she's really good in this. Elizabeth Olsen. Right, yeah. right. I highly recommend you guys checking out checking that out. It was very well done. Okay, cool. I like Audrey Plaza. Yeah. Remember a few years ago, what was it called? The, the list of things to do. Do you know where she wanted to lose her virginity? Oh, I, I know what you're talking about. I didn't, I didn't see it, though. Oh, I watched it. Was it good? Yeah, I watched it five times. <laughs> Look at Robert's expression. <laughs> you're such a pervert, well, and I love I, it, man. Well, I am, but yeah, actually, I, I your am. your character is consistent. <laughs> I like that about you. What's it called? Yeah, you know, Audrey Plaza. Uh, the the list thing. Something you know what I, I, I think mean? It's just it was, called the list. The list. Like yeah, huh. and it was a list of how she could get laid. Anyway, okay. All right. What'd you watch this week? I oh, I actually watched two movies this week. This again is going to appear to be a blatant plug, but it's not meant to be. Well, maybe it is. 30 Love, because Robert, the director of the film, handed me the DVD and asked me to check captions one last time before we strike these these DVDs and Blu-rays. So I, I checked that, and I did find myself watching the movie yet again and enjoying it. Oh, you yeah. enjoyed it. Yeah, I enjoyed it this time. Huh. This time, yeah. 30 Love, and I watched another It should be film. noted that uh, we're in the presence of a camera operator. You were. John Walski. <laughs> you were. You who worked down. on 30 Love. Yeah, I, I did. Yeah. It was uh, in Gene's office. Isn't that correct? That There's a, a scene few, with, few scenes in there. A few scenes that you were in the, the uh, locker room. Yeah, the locker room. That's right. You were in the locker room too. Remember, he was filming when you almost got TV. hit by the tennis ball. Yeah, I remember that moment. Yeah, some out, outdoor stuff, some tennis stuff. Yeah. Some, yeah. Several things. John yeah. was there for a bunch. By the way, producer Joey just handed it to me. That movie is called The To-Do List. That's it. That's it. The To-Do List. Highly recommended. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other film that I watched on Netflix streaming, mm-hmm. uh, it's Menorca. Menorca. Menorca? I never heard of this film. And it was made in 2016, and here's the premise. 
a hedonistic soccer playing mom, the son, <laughs> a hedonistic soccer player mom, the mom of the son who's playing soccer, leaves her family and becomes a stripper. So I thought, yeah, let's watch this movie. Was this and, on Cinemax? Or <laughs> no, it, was on, it was on regular Netflix with that premise. She's hedonistic. She's self-absorbed. She's watching her son playing soccer. She's detached from the whole scene. She walks away while the kid is playing soccer. The father's there in the stands. She walks to a car. She steals the car, and she drives and drives and drives to a small, dusty town and takes on the job of being a stripper. Was Worked it good? For me. It was a bad movie, but I enjoyed it. I kind of like that premise. You do? I, it's so fucking weird. Yeah, yeah. But I like that idea. It's not a good film, but it, it was, but I get it. Is it possible to enjoy a bad movie? Yeah. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, those are the two What's films your favorite bad movie? My favorite bad movie. What's your favorite bad movie, John? Oh, this is easy. Uh, the Postman. The Postman. Kevin Costner. We were just talking about that on last week's episode. I, yeah, I had the, the pleasure of bringing that up in front of Vernon Wells, who yeah, did like, not take kindly to that. It's like a three-hour epic opus, yeah. Yeah. post-apocalyptic. Hey, man, stuff's getting better. Stuff's getting better all the time. Remember when I told Vernon, yeah, my number one was Waterworld and his expression? Oh, man. Yeah. He, I think he was going to shoot that you. Was a, that Postman was a great blows Waterworld out of the water. I agree. Did it? Yeah. He blows it yeah, out yeah, of the yeah, water. Yeah, 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 water. Yeah, yeah. I, got, yeah. I got it. I got it. I can keep up. What's your favorite bad movie, Ira? I don't know if I have one. Can we come back to me on yeah, that? Yeah, we'll come back. Yeah. I thought it was Menorca. It you know, that's, that's in the top five. It was hmm. a bad movie, and I like it. Well, that premise, how can I not? What's I like not it. to like? Yeah. Um, all right, well, let's talk about the movie It. Robert, you do such a great job of talking us through it. All right. Well, I'll talk about it. So It is about a group of seven teenagers, young teenagers, who are all being terrorized in a small town called Derry. You might have remembered it from the early 1990s TV miniseries starring uh, Tim Curry. And this time, the uh, the new kind of, what do you call that? Re- revamp? Re-up, reboot, reboot? Reboot. Retread. Remake. Whatever you want to call it. Now the gang is uh, getting, not getting back together again, but getting together for the first time. And they're trying to fight Pennywise the clown and defend themselves and try to figure out the mystery of why this clown is terrorizing them and their their fears. It seems to prey on their fears, so they're having to face their fears and fight the clown. That's pretty much the whole gist of the, the movie. Am I right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What do you guys think? John. John, what do you think about it? <laughs> what do I think of the premise? Or what do I think well, just what do you think about the movie? What are your overall thoughts? Uh, I didn't like the movie. Why not? Well, it, it all seemed to be very rushed to me. Like... You didn't get to settle in with anybody. It was like the, it, they were in service of the plot the whole time, just moving everything forward. So I didn't really feel like I got to know a lot of the characters. Like they were all kind of just like stereotypical, like this is the nerdy sick kid. This is the other yes. nerdy kid. This is, but like yeah. it was all just like, you know, these like classic tropes. And so like I, I didn't really feel anything. And it, it just all kind of, like I said, it, just, it moved really fast, which I mean, you have to do that in a two hour movie because this is what. Like, I don't remember it's how like long. Seven hundred pages. Seven hundred page book. Um, so that, that was my first. I don't know, so you felt it was very cliche. Ultimately, I mean, I, I don't know about say cliche. Like, I mean, there's interesting ideas there, but I just feel like they didn't give time to develop them. Where yeah. to, to where I was like, "Ooh, this is very interesting." It was always just like, "Oh, we have to move on to the next thing." Um, 
Like, so if they had if they decreased the pacing, I mean, if they slowed things down a little bit, I mean, it would have been a longer movie. And I guess that was one of the benefits of the the miniseries is that they had more time to kind of explore some of those things because it was two parts and each part was what an hour and a half, two hours, something like that. Um, would you have liked it more if they'd spent more time with some of the characters? Well, I mean, can we talk? Do are we talking about the end of the movie or no? Yeah, we, we we don't care about spoilers. Well, well as we know, well, I, well, as I found out at the end of the movie, this is not the end of the story. Like I, I hadn't seen right. the, I haven't seen the miniseries. I've never read the book, and I haven't seen the miniseries since I was a kid. So I, I, I am not a fan of this trend of movies that don't complete the story, which mm. is kind of like, oh, this happens now. Whoa, now you got to come back in two years. Like Back to the Future. Or, yeah. Or like, oh, like well, <laughs> no, that's different. Back to, you're great, Robert. Or like, or like every Star Wars. Except that's a beautiful exception. Or like every Star Wars yeah. movie. Yeah. 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 I no, love, like, even I love those... how John, for a brief moment, actually agreed with me. Yeah. Oh, wait, wait a minute. I like that movie. Uh, yeah, I know. I mean, maybe I'm just bitter. I don't know. But like, <laughs> yes, I you feel are. Like but go a, ahead. This is a trend in movies now where nothing ever is wrapped up. Like everything yeah. has to be a franchise. Everything's yeah. got to be a sequel. And it's like, I feel like if if, if I'd known going into it that they were going to do that, then they then they definitely should have just taken more time on stuff. Like or the movie could have been a little longer. That's fine. But like. I don't know. That really bothered me, like hmm. the way the way the film ended. Okay, Ira, what do you think? Let me jump on board. I so agree with what you said about the stereotypical. The, all the characters we had every stereotype imaginable among yeah. these kids. We had the Jewish kid. We had the fat kid. Wait, we had Jewish kids are yeah. stereotype. <laughs> Go ahead. We had the the pansy boy. Uh, we had the misunderstood girl who was labeled a slut and really wasn't. It was so compartmentalized and and trite in that regard. My overall feeling was that. For some reason, like the first third seemed very, um, it seemed very disjointed. That's the word. And it wasn't flowing. There was like a segment, a segment, a segment. I think that's what John was saying yeah, too, right? Yeah. My operative word is disjointed. Do you agree? Is yeah, I would agree. Yeah. Yeah. I also, I, I can see what you're saying. For me, it worked, I guess, maybe because I knew the story. I actually rewatched the miniseries not that long ago. And a lot of the characters that you're saying are are kind of cliche tropes they are but i think they're this story was written so long ago that i mean how do you how do you change the characters that's how the characters were written so to to change the characters would be going against how stephen king wrote the book in the first place so but I mean, one might argue that some of the tropes have happened because of the movie or the story in the first place that's that's a fascinating argument i disagree but I find that a fascinating point that you just said. Yeah. What, what I hate is the the bullies. The way that the the bullies pick on everyone. It's, it's so unmotivated and just kind of We've bullshit. Seen it, was it. Over yeah. the, it was completely over the top. Yeah. Like that was the thing. There was no time for like escalation or anything. It was just like, all right, we're going. Like they're already like the worst people ever. Yeah. Where it was just. There's no motivation. Like there, I didn't see, understand the motivations of like a lot of these characters. Well, one of the things that we've talked about on this podcast quite a bit was is motivations for negative characters, and I mean. Uh, you know, you and I saw uh, the founder together, and to me, I, I think I like the founder a little bit more than you, John. But I, I, I love the founder because we see the true motivations of a pretty evil character, and also Michael Keaton in uh, in the new Spider-Man movie, and you see his motivations for wanting to become a villain, and you go, yeah, that that makes sense, and and I think that's so underplayed in a lot of big Hollywood movies is is exactly that. They just kind of say, okay, here's the bad guys. Yeah, I think there's this like idea of too much like people are just gonna know this stuff. Like I want to like I like this movie. I haven't seen. I don't remember the story that well. So I was I, I needed more information. Like, yeah. 
I don't I don't know everything about these characters and and all this stuff. And it was just it just seemed to be like kind of like glossed over. So just to like all right, we have to get to the we have to get to the end so we can set up the sequel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's true. Any any other additional well, thoughts? I, I have other notes too. I want to yeah. share. It's interesting that virtually every kid in this film had asshole parents. And I found that fascinating, breaking it down, that the the the, the one kid whose father was... The, Not the girl. Was, the girl's well, dad was great. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> the slaughter, slaughtering, <laughs> He's my role model. Slaughtering the cattle. We had the, the father of the girl who was... It was implied that he was indeed molesting his daughter. We had oh, the fa- I thought he just really cared Come about on, her. Let me finish my point. We had the um, the fat little girl. The fat. <laughs> of course, I don't blame the father, but that's, oh, that's, that's I don't blame the father, but that has nothing to do with what I'm saying. Um, we had the fat mom. Who was who's fat? Who I mean, was, come on. Well, was, I think clearly parents are lame. Was so who was yeah. who was mothering the child to death? And even the bully, the blonde-haired bully, his father was a her- horrible human being. Was with, he? With was he? Gu- like that's the thing that he didn't, the gu- that, that was the that, only guy that, was, that I liked. That was the only thing that he did, though. I mean, yeah, it was but bad. But he was still. So what I'm saying, I'm suggesting something here. I'm getting a little bit of a, a metaphor. Let okay. me finish my point. Virtually every kid in this film had a lousy parent, which I found coincidental and also fascinating and perhaps this movie was you ready for the heady shit here yeah. it comes an allegory of adolescent angst i think so yeah 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 pretty good huh? but you know what and this is this is my thought about the movie i think this is a fantastic movie if you're 13 years old it's a great movie for some some kids that haven't seen the same kind of movies over and over and over again and i think it does get a lot of that angst out I think there's a lot of that stuff that we, we've we moved past because we're older and those kind of movies don't sing to us as much. But think about the movies that you guys saw when you were kids. I mean, a lot of them were about kid issues. And I think this is a great one for... I mean, it's rated R, so most kids can't see it. But when they do sneak and see it, because all of them are going to try to see it somehow, I think it's actually going to speak to them. I mean, I think it's saying something that they they want said. So I do think it speaks to the angst. Here's my, and I don't mean to talk quite so much, but I, even you and I had dinner years ago. We spoke about great ideas for a horror movie. Mm-hmm. And this was so derivative. That's my initial reaction to this. It was a derivative movie. It's, it seemed very Spielbergian with uh, E.T. It's a lot of Stand By Me yeah. was in it too with the but kids. But that's the same author. Together. Same author. Yeah, Stephen King wrote both, but those right. characters were were developed so much, so much more fully than yeah. those characters. I felt like so those were my were those they? Were my I issues. mean, was what's the, what's what's the bad guy? The uh, Kiefer, Kiefer Sutherland. Sutherland was he motivated in any of his horrible you know behavior towards the kids? He just seemed to be an asshole just from the very beginning, almost the same way. Well, I, I didn't watch that movie yesterday, so I can't really give you a full breakdown. But from my recollection. I feel at least the kids were more developed. It's a better movie. Well, it is. I will give you, it's only four kids in Stand By Me. So you have more time on each one of them. And I think here you've got, you know, two hours that's spent over the course of seven kids. So, of course, that's going to get divided up a little differently. But I, I think stand, that's. I think it's a great a comparison. Stand by me to this. Stand movie. by me. It was stand by me. It was very ET-ish with the kids on the bikes. I mean, it was derivative. We've seen this before. Those were my main issues. It was derivative. It was a very the stereotype of the main characters. And again, how interesting that all these kids had lousy parents. And I, I that confused me. And I was also fascinated by. It was too. It didn't. Robert, you should talk. You like this film. I did like this movie. Tell us why. I liked it because, first of all, I thought it was shot beautifully. I thought, yeah, it, was, I thought it was lit beautifully. Agreed. The way they lit this thing. 
I mean, they, the, some of the stuff in the basement where it was so dark and they knew just how to light it just to get enough out of the, uh, the background and make you think that you saw a clown in the corner or something like that. They, they're doing a really nice job of lighting it. And the shots were gorgeous. Everything about the visual look was great. And I was watching for it. I didn't see a single shot that was off. It was all looking really, really nice. As far as the writing, it was a little stereotypy. I didn't, I didn't care for some of the, the, the bully stuff where it's like, okay, this is, I've seen this before. It is derivative. And it's also just unmotivated and unrealistic. I, that, that bothered me. And also some of the other character interaction, I think, with some of the, the kids. But some of it was pretty good. Um, and I, I thought the overall gestalt was, was nice. And I, I guess the inner child in me wanted, wanted, I, I thought this movie was going to suck and it didn't suck as bad as I thought it was going to. And I think as, as I put myself into like a, the mindset of a little kid watching this and not having seen all those cliches for the first time. I, th- I think I would have really, really enjoyed this movie. Now, I have seen a lot of those cliches, but I don't think that's the audience that they're really aiming for. I think they are, I mean, there's hardly any adults in the movie, and when there are adults in the movie, it's exactly what you said, I th- Ira. I think it's, they're, they're villains. They're awful people for the most part. So this is a kid's movie. It's about kids. And I think the fact that Stranger Things came out, you saw Stranger Things, right, John? Yeah, that was much better than this, though. Did you see Stranger Things? I didn't. So I, th- I, I do see some similarities between them, and that, I think you could argue, is derivative. I mean, there's... Well, one of the kids from Stranger Things is in it. Right. But I think the, I think the comparison between Stranger Things and the aforementioned E.T., I mean, there, there's some real, real strong linkages there between those two, and it, it felt like something out of the 80s. It just... But that show is intentionally nostalgic. Right. Like, I actually think this movie needed to be more nostalgic, where, like... I think it. I, I know you said you liked the look of it. To me, it looked too polished. It, everything was too bright. Like when they go to the, the the evil house, like the house literally looked like something you would see on the Universal lot. Like I'd be waiting in line to go inside the it house from the exterior. The yeah, with that like goofy shot. tree yeah. and all that stuff. I'm like, this... I, I will agree with you. I think yeah. that you're right. Yeah. But I, I think it did look very very slick. It looked really polished. But I think as a if you're if you're watching it from the if this is your first horror movie, but, I think but, this is the movie that's going to stay with you. But I mean, you. are we? Is this? Are we just reviewing the movie for for each movie? That, you know, on the show, are we discussing it as a, as adults, or are we just fantasizing that we're other people? Well, I think I, I think to enjoy movies. I think as you're watching a movie, I think it at least helps to take the intended audience into into consideration. R rated movie though. But I don't think it's it's meant for adults. It's meant for kids. It's this is meant for kids to sneak into. <laughs> that's what it is i'm serious this well, is a I'm, kid's movie the good thing it's, about well i agree with that because it's not scary that's the that was my other it's not really it's, it's jump not, scare it's, oh, i remember when there I was that to, one moment we yeah but, they got me once with yeah, the jump scare yeah, and i was yeah. like ah no i remember one of, one of my problems with this movie is it, it, it is the opposite of jaws they show you the monster within the first five minutes yeah, of the movie and then they yeah. show it to you every like 10 minutes the whole I, rest of the movie and by the end of it you're like i i i could kill pennywise because i'm not afraid of him now either because yeah. <laughs> it's that's a really good point. I really like that. I like how you described that. It is the opposite of Jaws. And the, there's a, the part where, where they're in the sewer, and I think it's when he turns into the woman from the painting, and she like goes around the corner, and then Pennywise comes back out and just looks at him and then goes away again. And it's like, okay, we get it. The actor who plays Pennywise is a creep. Okay, whatever. So I do think that you're right there. Yeah, it got to a point, honestly, where like 
where it was like, ooh, the like the the leper or whatever was chasing the the, the mm-hmm. kid. Like, it was like, all right, how long is the stupid leper scene's over? Because, like, let's get back to the story. It just seemed like too much, like, ooh, now we got to scare him for a minute. And it wasn't even scary. Like, I just wish there would have been... I wish they'd just taken more time and had more quiet movement moments in the movie. Like, like to make me care about the characters. Mm-hmm. Like, it just felt like... It felt like the universal 3D ride of It. Like, whole movie. <laughs> like, someone else called a movie... Like, I saw another movie recently, and they, I can't remember what it was, but they, they extra- described it as experiential. Oh, it was Dunkirk, another movie I hated. Uh, it, they call, describe it as experiential because there's no story in that movie, really. It's, yeah. just, it's just running around, people getting shot at. And I, I, I do not like films like that, I've decided. Maybe I'm just like a crusty old man now, but like, I still want a story. I want characters that I care about. I want like things to go somewhere and not just be like, ooh, look at this. Look at this shiny house. Look at this stupid thing. Or look, look at this scary well, I monster. think there's a story here. There is. There, I mean, I want to read the book now. Like, that's the one thing this movie has done. Like, okay. I, I'm like, I want to read the book because I think the book could be great. And I feel like this is a Jurassic Park situation where, like, like people who haven't read Jurassic Park should read the book because the book is a thousand times better than the movie. Like, even when I was a kid and saw Jurassic Park, I had this, I had, like, I'd read the book first, saw the movie, and hated the movie. Mm. And I feel like if I read it, I'm, I'm going to hate the movie I'm more. actually surprised that you haven't read it, read it because that feels like a book that you would have read. I was just never, I've never been scared of clowns. I was just like... Mm. Eh. Like I knew, I knew the basic premise, and then I watched the, the miniseries. Hmm. Uh, a couple of things that I want to talk about. I read in a news article recently that I guess real clowns are having trouble getting work. Have I you heard that. about this? I read that. There's, they're complaining. There's actually a clown. Uh, what was it like? A association, like a clown union, I guess. And they're complaining about this movie because they're basically saying no one's hiring us anymore because clowns have just become scary and there is no more happy clown any thoughts about that what do you guys think i was going to mention this when we were going to do our our top five and that is that i find all clowns scary not just the ones with blood dripping down them or with the white white pancake face and the red, red, red lips, but all clowns, even as a kid, Bozo the Clown, and with the seltzer, I just, they, I would get anxious, and it's trying too hard, and there's a lot of pathos with all clowns, even the ones that aren't killers. I've always, that's just me personally about clowns. I heard that the Alamo Draft House had a screening that was all clowns of it. They showed it with all clowns. Are you serious? Yeah. No, you're making. I, re- I read about this online, and it was someone had read it, had done a. Uh, the article was like, "I survived my all clown screening of it." Did they stay awake? <laughs> that was the that was the scary part to them, was having to stay awake the entire time. I don't know. I, I, I I'm not afraid of clowns. You find clowns not scary? afraid, but I find them sad. That's it. All clowns are such pathos that and there's something off about all clowns even the friendly ones that host kids shows i say the same thing about jewish people so sad <laughs> are you gonna let them talk to me about why yeah hey, yeah just, i I'm guess just you a are bystander here <laughs> um yeah i actually wrote down some some of the notes as we were watching it i, I thought you know, the child actors I, they were really forcing some of these scenes and i will get, grant you that i think they were really trying to force it and i also wrote down this is nothing new like the 80s 80s kids at school and, um, you know, we've, we've seen that so many times before. I, I kind of felt like, you know, you were talking about um, Stranger Things, John, and you felt like that that was done better than this. To me, I felt like that was also, I felt like it was in the same vein. Stranger Things 
and again, I haven't seen it before, as an homage to that era. Yeah. And I don't know if this... I don't know if this was... Really I think this was be. maybe an homage to Stranger Things. <laughs> it, it, it was a combination of that and the other... Well, I, I know you got some points, but the other thing I wanted to mention is why I'm thinking this stuff. Like, all the jump cut clown stuff. Yeah. It's just straight rip off from Insidious yeah. and The Conjuring. And like, that's this movie just, it was just like a mishmash of like, oh, it's going to be a little bit of The Goonies. It's going to be a little Stranger Things. It's going to be a little of this. And it's like, but the sum of the parts aren't better than any, and of, those, and then those, any of those other things. Right. Yeah. They did something in this movie that I am so happy they did. Do you remember this, John? I know you've got to remember this. And it was like 1988 or 89 when everyone had AIDS. Like, if you wouldn't drink off after somebody's, like, Coke because they'd be like, oh, dude, I have AIDS. And then, oh, everyone would freak out. Do you remember this, like, in school? We didn't joke about AIDS in Cicero. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> we didn't. I, don't, I, have no, I have no memory of that. I mean, I Nobody knew, did that? No. Oh, man. We weren't assholes like you guys. <laughs> <laughs> you guys were different kind of assholes. I, I, it was a different type you of neighborhood. It, it, it was a different type of, a different type of neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember this, Ira? Of course I do. But it was, it, it, I mean, I, I guess you weren't a child at that point. Right. But... Man, I, all I remember growing up was people like, uh, you know, constantly afraid of AIDS. There was like a probably two year window. And they talked about it here. They actually addressed that. They were like, oh, dude, he's got AIDS. And then at the very end, where they all cut their hands, that was and very do funny the, what you said. The to whole, me. Yeah. Like, they all hold each other's hands. I'm like, other AIDS. they all have AIDS. <laughs> yeah, that's how it started. It wasn't that monkey in Africa. No. It was these damn kids. <laughs> oh, the other, the other thing I want to ask you, Robert, since you like the movie. Um, yeah. Did, did you, were you bothered by the fact that they didn't explain anything, like of what it was? Well, well what it was, why, why, while you, why, why will you float too? What, what was the point of the floating kids? They, like they didn't explain anything. That was that, like you know how we talk about like, oh well, Back to the Future. Yeah. Another movie. At least they like explained stuff to me. Like, yeah. Like I still, I walked in the movie. I'm like, all right, I didn't read the book. Why do the kids float? What is the, What's the purpose of this? Why does that girl like get mesmerized by looking in his I mouth? Know, like I know. they don't. They didn't give me anything. She wasn't dead. Yeah. But she was like hypnotized yeah. or something. She was and in then, between. Yeah. And then the only backstory we got was like all of the exposition for the for the whole thing was like this fact it was like, well, I just happened to do all this research. Let me just give you all the exposition in 30 seconds here. And that's just all lazy filmmaking to me. Now, like, I think you're right. I'll, like, I'll give you that. It was the, lazy writing. Like the discovery part of it, I think would have been more interesting. Like even the one scene where he's like looking at the book and, the, and you see the head in, in the tree. Like that was like a good scene. Like when he's doing the research at the library. Mm-hmm. But then, then it was just like, all right. That's it. And now the kids are like, oh, we, we figured out how to beat the thing. He, we, we have to be in the same place. Like, it was just all too neat. You know what I mean? Well, this begs the question, are there, is the old style of, of horror movies, are they dead? Like The Shining, The Shining didn't really have jump scares. It wasn't, that, that, that kind of horror filmmaking seems to be long lost now. It doesn't seem to be around anymore. Am I wrong in this? Is it I think you're wrong. It's just it, those movies aren't making like a hundred million dollars. Well what movies have that kind of horror to it? Uh, more modern movies. Like you just mean like less Yeah less I mean slaughter uh, more, or, more like more story. But I mean there's a lot of blood in the shining and I guess I'm using that as my as my go to, but even like um like Alien wh- where there's just a slow burn and you're taking your time and you're being patient with it. I'm I'm trying to, to fix there, what you were talking about just there's this. definitely been movies like I'm just trying to think of them offhand. I mean, like or Jaws. I mean, the, you mentioned Jaws earlier. Jaws is that's why Jaws. Is, Jaws is so great because you care about all the characters because the characters are written so well. Like, and it like you were saying earlier, that you don't even see the shark at the at the beginning 
which I think is the most frightening scene when that girl's swimming by herself yeah. at night and yeah. it's our imagination filling in the gap. Right. You don't need to see Bruce the shark until later, later. Yeah, yeah, less is it more. Was, yeah, yeah. Less, but that's kind of what I'm saying. What films, are be, what films are doing that now? I mean, House of the Devil. I haven't seen that. Uh, you, you know, that guy's a director who does the... Uh, I can't think of his name. But there are, there are horror... I can't think of everything offhand right now, but there are movies like that being made. Right. I, I usually see them. Oh, um, what was the one uh, with the girl? The monster like has uh, has to have sex with you, and and then passes it on. Oh, and, it, oh follows. it follows. It follows. And okay. Now that's a good example. Yeah. That was a smart. That's movie. a slow burn, and it's, it's a slow it's, burn. It's ominous, smart, slow dread, and this, okay. and the monster is just slowly coming towards you. You don't know who it is. If it's a person yeah. that you know or, or something else, like they still make these movies. It's just they're not people. The mass audiences aren't seeing them. I mean, maybe maybe because people don't like that style of filmmaking. But, but I don't think anymore. the studios are making those kinds of movies. But the studios are making less movies now than ever before. Like if you do the like in the actual numbers of just movies they're making, they're just they're putting all their chips on these on these big tentpole movies and franchises and yeah. mummy reboots and all this other garbage. That's why allegedly numbers are down. Uh, well, I think it's you know I, I I think a lot of that just comes back down to making money. I mean, you have two different, you're serving two masters of, do you want to make money or do you want to make good films? Because those are not always necessarily the same thing. But, but you're not going to, you're not going to get good, like, you're not going to develop directors and, and writers yeah. if they only, if there's only Marvel, Marvel movies being made and, and sequels, like you need to, to support these smaller films so that people can learn, get better at making movies. Yeah, I think you're right. And what the, I mean, the other problem is that they're just putting all their chips on one thing. And if, 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 if these things fail, they're going to lose a ton of money. So it's like, it's better to diversify your risk. I think you're right. Because there's, there's still movies that come out with that, are, that are small budget movies, like the M. Night Shyamalan movie uh, that made a ton of money and they only spent like $6 split. million. Dollars. Yeah, Split. Like, they still, and that's another great example of a horror movie where it's just all character. It was. Most of it take, most of it takes but there's still a lot of jump scary you know, things there. I don't, I don't know how, how slow burn it was. But I'm saying it was a simple movie. It was, yeah, it was okay. basically shot all in one location for the most part. Yeah. Um, yeah, so anyway, getting back to the AIDS circle where they're all holding hands. Another question about that. Whenever you take a blood oath, why do you have to cut on the inside of your palm? Can't you do blood oath some other way? If we're going to do a blood oath, I, we're going to do a money shot blood oath at the end of this podcast. I'm, I'm out. Yeah, I hear that hurts. Why would you cut on the inside of my doctor, your hand, my man? Doctor. Can't you cut somewhere yeah, else? Yeah, why is it always on the palm of your hand? Well, I think if it's on your wrist, you might kill yourself. Because it's a better shot when you hold hands for the movie. That's it. That's it. Man. Um, May I mention one scene that didn't make sense to me? Please. It was a showpiece in the film. Only one scene? Yeah. Well, there's one. This is one I want to single out. And that is the uh, the blood in the bathroom. And that was quite a showpiece, that whole sequence. What blood? I didn't see any blood. All right, all right. Um, See, I'm an adult. Because you're old. Yeah. And then later, when the kids come in and see the blood... And then the first thing they say is, we've got to clean it up. Why do they have to clean it up? Why don't they call the police? I don't get that. And also, the scene bothered me because suddenly we went to some pop, hip-hop, rock music while they were cleaning it up. It was like too stylized. It was sty- a brutal cut. Yeah. It was too stylized. Yeah. I also had the same problem when they were throwing rocks by the river. All of a sudden, it became a little stylized and self-conscious with the music in the background. But especially with the cleaning up the blood, we've got to clean this up. And they all... It turned why? into an 80s montage. Why do they have to clean up? 
I don't understand the motivation. I think... No, oh, I, my God, let's call the police. I've not read the book, to... but I remember e- either someone was telling me or maybe it's in the miniseries. I can't remember, but I think the concept was that because no, none of the adults could see it, but she could, and they they wanted to help her. Every time she used the bathroom, she wouldn't have to stare at all this blood that was in there. So they helped her clean it up. So none of... I know the father couldn't see that, but I thought he couldn't see it because he was raping her. I, I thought he was an evil... He's, no, it's because I mean. he's an adult. So the adults, adults couldn't see it. Oh, now this is really opening it up. So only the kids can see right. this. The, the adults can't. That was That's how I remember it. Either I never read the book, so it right. must have been either someone explained it to me or the miniseries, but that's my understanding of it. Okay. But I do think that you're kind of only proving John's point, which was that that wasn't explained. And the same with the floating thing. That was explained, I, th- I think, in the book. I don't even think they talked about that in the miniseries, where they... Um, you stare at these three lights and people became transfixed and and turned into like a, a floating zombie, essentially. So, yeah, I think there, there's a lot left to be explained. Are we swaying you a little bit? Perhaps. A little bit. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give my, the other classic horror movie problem, which is going to be the problem in every horror movie. If, if there are, because the fat kid talks about this, that there are studies that this town is six times more likely to have people yeah. disappear. Why does anybody live, live there? there? That's if, what I was if, thinking. If all these kids are disappearing, like, wouldn't Why there would be you FBI leave your kids agents there? and yeah. stuff everywhere, like, like trying to figure out what's going on and, and adults from, or other people are, are missing? Like, like, I don't know if that's explained in the book. I'm assuming there's some sort of reason for it. Like, I mean, if the adults are like hypnotized or something, but I mean, obviously they know their kids are missing. Well, extending your idea one step further, if you're a parent and you have kids and you're six times more likely to die in this town, why not move to the next town over? I know. All you have to do is go over just away from the town line and apparently you're fine. Like, Or maybe, well, you know, all the parents are assholes, so maybe they want their kids to die. <laughs> maybe, they're, maybe they're kind of hoping that they'll get killed off. Oh, the other thing I was going to ask is what happened to the main kid's mom? Like, they never explained that either. Like, she's in that... that's The, when the slideshow? Yeah, she's in the slideshow. And so, someone told me that she's in one of the first scenes. Like, she's, like, playing the piano or something. Yeah. Like, and then you never see or hear from her again. Well, she's not important. She's just mom. I think the problem that's happening here is that they, you have seven main characters. You have a, an evil villain. And then, really, you, ha- you kind of have several different villains because each main character has their own fear villain, right? So, I mean, you've got the girl's little girl's dad and then so you got pennywise the clown who who is kind of the central villain but then he put you know steps in as the other villains plus you have this bully that's chasing them you have a, a lot of characters and you need in a novel in a 600 page novel you have a lot of time to be able to explore all that but i think in a two-hour movie you, a lot of that stuff starts to get cut so i i, I wonder I, I wish they had just done several parts here and just said all right this is the first part and we'll set it up and and that means you've got to turn it into a TV show of some sort. No, you just do it like Harry Potter, where it's just seven yeah. movies or something. Right. Or, I mean, honestly, they could have just combined some of those characters, like the kids. Like, I, I, none of them, none of, other than the main oh, kid. Like, I they, agree. None of them were that distinct, where I was like, oh, this would be a lot different if this sick kid was also the, like, the talkative Wise-ass kid. Although, kid. They were, although the sick kid was really talkative, too. It was like, there was too much overlap. It was just like, I don't know if we need all these people. But, but then who do you have the dick jokes with? I mean, come on. You could have cut all those. I've been fine. All right. Did you notice that there was a uh, Nightmare Nightmare on Elm Street five I reference sure did. there? Yeah, yeah. The marquee. That was the Dream Team. Do you remember Nightmare on Elm Street you mean, five? You mean Dream Warriors? Dream Warriors. My bad. Dream, Dream Team, Team was, was the, the basketball. Michael Keaton movie. Yeah. Well, baseball. Basketball. Well, the Dream Team. The Dream Team was the movie where Christopher Lloyd and Michael Keaton went to watch the baseball I was game. Talking about sports. I, 
it, it was a baseball game. That's why I said baseball. It was also the 1994, 1992 you, you Olympic. You mean the basketball Basketball man? team. <laughs> you mean the basketball man? <laughs> All right. Uh, so anyway, well, the Dream way. Warriors, <laughs> Nightmare on Elm Street 5. Did you ever see Nightmare on Elm Street 5? I didn't see that one. It's no. where they... Fight Freddy Krueger. They all gang uh, up. Gang up. So you're yeah. saying there's a similar. Play, yeah, it was a right? little wink. Okay, a wink. Wink and a, a nod there. That movie's better By the way, am I the only one who felt that the uh, <sighs> the clown numerous times was starting to sound like uh, Beetlejuice? <laughs> the way it was mimicking and making fun. Of, oh, and it would spin its head around real fast and do goofy things. Wait, how did very, it say it? All right, don't make me. I knew you were going to do that. Wait, but, I just didn't hear. Oh, blah, 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 blah. And <laughs> mimicking, <laughs> mimicking, mimicking the there. kids and its head spinning around real fast. It was very Michael Keaton Beetlejuice esque. I'm sorry, I, my, my headphones popped out. Can you say it just one more time? I just didn't hear you. You're making fun of me. Oh, I see. You won't let me read one of my goddamn poems, but you'll ma- allow me to make that pathetic I just want to see how many times you'll yeah, say yeah. it. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, I was thinking about this at the end as they're beating up the Pennywise clown. What if all of this, you know, because they're, they're, they're delirious here. They're, they're not seeing reality and their fears are taking over. What if it turns out that it's not a clown at all. It's just some homeless guy, and they're just beating the shit out of the homeless guy with a chain and like stabbing him and everything else. I think that'd be a really cool moment where they just uh, kind of really zoom like that. <laughs> That's how I, I would have ended the movie if I directed it. Yeah, um, I think. Oh wait, hold Pennywise. on. Producer Joey just gave me a note here. That's right. I forgot about this. I'd read this in the original. Um, in the original story in the book, uh, the blood oath scene wasn't there it's actually a uh all the boys have sex with the girl bev they all serious? yeah they all have sex with her and that's i'm not fucking with you that's actually part of the book it's in the novel yeah and that's how it ends they gangbang her yeah basically and no. that's uh, that's no, why i gotta I'm... read this book <laughs> <laughs> and that's why i'm saying this is a kid's movie do you know what i'm saying like this is a this is a teenager's kids movie. I mean, they're not going to end the movie like that for a kids movie. I would have. I think I would have liked the movie better if it ended like that. <laughs> I re- I was thinking about it. I know. Are you serious? Yeah. It doesn't fit from what we've seen. I'm telling you, Stephen King cannot write endings. I've never liked the endings. His move. His his stories are fantastic, except for the ending. Every time I'm like, what the fuck happened? What are you talking about? Fantastic premises. So what, I need to get back on this. What are you saying? That they gangbang against her? Is she raped? Joey, can you pull up pull up the uh, the Wikipedia article, and I'll just read it off. All right. Oh. Yeah, I forgot about that. The blood oath scene was a replacement. Yeah. They did they did they gangbang her in the miniseries? No. No, I think they did the blood oath there too. All right. No. What do we have here? All right, she's pulling it up right now. Okay. Yeah. So see, why do a blood oath? This is how AIDS starts. Well, I think gangbanging her might also... That's what I'm saying. You know, get the AIDS uh, it says, okay. One controversial scene from King's novel has dogged the book and subsequent adaptions. After defeating it, the kids get lost in the sewer tunnels on the way out. This is attributed in part to the fact that they're losing their connection to one another. The solution is to bind them together, which Beverly, the only girl in the story's main group of protagonists called the Losers says can only happen if each of the boys has sex with her while they're timid and unsure <clears throat> she's confident and maternal king writes the first boy eddie comes to her the way he would have come to his mother the sex is a consensual gangbang 
with, with each of the boys losing his virginity and thus entering manhood through Beverly. The 80s was a bonkers time, but the orgy scene in particular has aged poorly. Critics and readers looking, looking back at it have called it everything from disturbing to sick and insane. A Reddit reader from last year simply asked, what the fuck? And generated over 500 comments. For almost 10 exhaustive pages, King describes each of the boys having sex... 10 pages? <laughs> having sex with Beverly and their orgasms as a version of flying. You also get the sense that King is a bit of a size queen. Beverly's desires are positioned as a way for her to overcome her own fears around sex, but mostly the narrative centers on how the boys literally enter adulthood through Beverly's vagina. Jesus, God. King released a statement a few years ago through his fan site, StephenKing.com, where he wrote, <clears throat> I wasn't really thinking of the sexual aspect of it. Intuitively, the losers knew they had to be together again. The sexual act connected childhood and adulthood. Perhaps most horrifying to modern sensibilities is that there is no talk of birth control, condoms, or realization that a circle jerk would have sufficed. <laughs> when the new adaptation was announced, many wondered whether it would feature the scene or some version of it, though the 1990 version eschewed it entirely. As fans often like to say, it's canon. So, does the new version feature a bunch of kids engaging in an orgy? No. Well, it does evade the obvious graphic horror of legal problems of minors simulating group sex, the new film retains a lot of original scenes problems, namely the aggressive gender politics and sexualization of adolescent lead girl. And so on and so on. So what's interesting <laughs> is she really was a slut. I was going to say the same thing. She that really, like, that's how she was depicted at the beginning. Foreshadowing. For she really was I, I think she wasn't. I agree. I, but, I'm being funny. Well, but, she, but I'm saying, she, I think in that moment she became her reputation. Yeah. I think yeah. that's how the story was supposed Isn't to that play. that like a... That, that, yeah. Wow. So when I walked out of the movie, there was a guy talking to his friend, and and he was saying like Stephen King is uh, he's got mental problems, mm -hmm. like like he's a mentally ill person. They were they were talking about and now reading like <clears throat> after hearing that like, I mean, that's that's wow. I got to read the book now though for sure. <laughs> yeah. Wow. All right. Well. Wow. Let's talk mummy shots, shall we? <laughs> <laughs> well, I gotta wait for the director's cut to talk about mine. <laughs> we, uh, the deleted scenes, yeah. Okay. All right. So, what did you guys think? What was the most memorable shot? I mean, for me, it was probably the the first time you see the clown in the sewer. Yeah. I mean, that was the most jarring. So that's what you'll think about. Like, if you were to think about this movie five or six years from now, when you think back about the movie, the shot that will come to mind will be... I keep snapping a lot today. You'll think about that shot in the sewer? Uh, yeah, I mean, the initial reveal. Yeah? It's pretty... That part was pretty... You know. His eyes just popped. I mean, they did some digital coloring on that, but it, it was really crazy because they, they lit his the bottom half of his mouth, and then those eyes just came out of the dark. It was really crazy. Ira, what about you? I had two money shots, a minor yeah. one and a major one. The minor one was um, but still a money shot. When the girl was floating, we don't know why, but she was floating. And it was a great moment when the fat kid chose to save her by kissing her. And we all laughed. And it worked. It brought her back to life, being kissed by the fat kid. And, you know, I think that that's every male adolescent's fantasy mm -hmm. that even if you're not good looking even if you're a fat frumpy kid you can bring a very cute girl back to reality is this hitting life. a little too close to home uh, maybe it is i'm not All sure right. uh that and i gotta tell you i think i mentioned this to you, robert walking out even though we try not to talk about the film i did find the ending very affecting it, it worked for me 
I'm, I'm glad that they had this ending instead of the one that was in the book. When they did form a circle, and all the, I think I told you to the last 20 minutes, came the movie came together. All of a sudden, it wasn't as disjointed as it was in the first third. And I liked it when they did that, the blood thing and the holding hands, and they bonded, and if necessary, they'll come back years from now and fight it again. Um, I like that ending and forming the circle at the end. Those are my two money shots. I didn't like that part, but it is my money shot. I, it is what I will think about. And the holding of the hands, it is very visual. And even speaking to what John was saying earlier, I mean, he was kind of making a joke of when I asked the question, why do they always do it there? It's because it's cinematic. It does look good. And all the, the blood when she's grabbing his face and she's smearing blood all over his face. And it, it's it's memorable. It's visual. But you said you didn't like that part. Is that I, I don't like it. I think it's kind of a cheap way Man, out. Manipulative. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I think it's... There's so many other ways to have done it, but... It was very visual. It worked, and it it worked visually, and and it is sticking in my brain. So in that sense, it worked. It's a great moment when she kissed. It's him not goodbye. my taste. I, yeah, I know, I know, yeah. but, but it still worked. But it my wasn't taste your is gangbang. <laughs> we know. It was very touching when she kissed him goodbye like that. It was a nice, sweet, tender moment. Well, yeah. he, he kissed her. Yeah. Yeah. He grabbed her. And then raped her. Uh, my other money shot is when Spoilers. when the fat kid walks off and he's dragging his uh, headphones behind him on the bike. I don't know why, but that shot just kind of made me giggle. So I like that. Oh, and uh, I thought uh, it was just one money shot. It, that's you guys, what it, you guys both have multiple ones. No, you can have one or two. I will say I don't think it's gonna be my my money shot. But after she clunks her dad on the head with the back of the toilet. And she's starting to walk out, and right there is the it is is the Pennywise. We jumped. That's when you and I. That jumped. got me. Right. That that jump jumped. got me. Right. Did I get you, John? No. It did me. Yeah. I was already getting a little drowsy at that point in the movie. <laughs> That's right. She was she taking was in a the nap. shower behind the curtain, and she had the, yeah. the porcelain toilet top and hit him with it. Yeah. And, and then all of a sudden the clown was right there. All but right. Why was the clown there? Yeah. Because didn't she just face her fear? <clears throat> Wow, I, I don't know. I didn't write like that. That's, that's, a, that's a concept that didn't met, that didn't make any sense to me. Like, yeah, it but it was like... cinematic as hell. But oh, what, well then, right. maybe you might argue that now she's even more fearful because she thinks she killed him. She thinks she killed her dad. Mm. I don't know. I know. I know. I didn't write the thing. Okay, well, let's talk about our top five. All right. Now, am I allowed to do it this one, or are you going to have John do it? No, we're going to oh, have Vernon. One, I'm going to be edited out right now. Yeah. So. I'm gonna. You're gonna hear, and you'll burn into it, yeah. and it'll come back to. Yeah. So I'm not gonna read it now. That's right. I've been usurped by Vernon. Nice. You don't have to be so happy about it. Vernon, hit it. And now, kiddies, it's time for our top five favorites. And now, wipe off that frown as we present our countdown. We ain't joshing, and this ain't no jive. It's time to give a listen, you little creeps, to our top five. All right. So this week's top five is the uh, is your top five clown characters in a movie. Excuse I suspect me. we're going to overlap a little bit on this. This is my you thought. You absolutely are. <laughs> you think so? There's not that many movies with clowns. Ah. I mean, maybe you guys... All right, John, what's your number five? What's your fifth greatest clown character? Oh, I had to rank these in specific order. Uh, Starting with five and working away number one. All right, yeah. five. I'm going to go with uh, Jangles the Clown from Inside Out. 
Jangles the Clown. Oh my gosh, I forgot about that. Yeah, it's basically like it. That's like her fear. She's afraid of clowns. What did you like about the character? Uh, it was one of the five mem- memorable clowns I could think of from <laughs> movies. <laughs> what did you like about it? Uh, honestly, that's not. I don't remember much about it other than that there was other a than clown him just being movie. a clown. Yeah, oh, nice. All right, Ira, what's your number five? My number five is. Uh, oh, by the way, we should mention John too that we have a few bonuses. We call them scoops of ice cream. If they're not in your top five when we're done with this, we go all the way to. Five, four, three, two, one. I, considering I, I, he I, can't think choice. of no, I have, five. I, 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 I think have a bonus one that I wrote down. So you got the bonus, but you but, could come up but, with your... But we'll see. If, well, okay, so you'll see when we get to it. We'll see if there's some that. more. So we'll see if there's some more. It's okay. funny, did a bonus one. Because <laughs> my number five was a movie that was uh, starring and directed by Bill Murray, and it was called Quick Change. Does yes, that mean it, it's on my top so, five. 1990, he, direct, he co-directed it. Has an interesting cast, even uh, Jason Robards in it and Gina Davis. And the beginning, he's dressed as a clown when he robs a bank. Yes. And I bet that's, I can tell Robert that that's in your That's in my top five. It's not my number five, but that is in my top five. That's my number five. I love Quick Change. Yeah. All right. My number five is a a clown from a movie I was given recently, The Game. Oh, yeah. Oh. The Clown. I almost put put that in mind. I should have thought of that. Yeah. That's great. Go ahead, Robert. Talk. The, the clown, that clown was so freaking visual and, and talk about money shot, man, that shot stuck with me. It, it's still the shot that I think of the, the eyes on that clown and laying in front of his car when he pulls up that night. That's, that's a really good movie. I think we saw that movie together. Did we, John? That's one of my favorite movies. Yeah. I stole a lot of stuff from it for some of my movies in college. <laughs> we watched it together also, Robert. Yeah. And, and Another Michael Douglas Rich Guy film. <laughs> You're right. But also, having the clown there made it so that the commentator on the TV set, is right. that right? That the microphone, the camera was inside the clown. When so he has to pull the key out of his mouth, and it kind of clicks and gets stuck right there at the very end. Oh, man. It's just, there's something so horrifyingly creepy about that I clown. applaud you on that. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. John, what do you got? What's number four? Number four, uh, this will probably be on your list as well, Killer Clowns from Outer Space. It is not on my list. It's not? No. It's an ensemble piece. I couldn't pick just one clown, but probably the (laughs) clown with the giant mallet or the one that punches the guy's head off. Those are some of the highlights. When we pitched this idea, because Ira, you pitched, hey, let's do top five clowns. I I knew this had to be on John's list. I mean, like I said, there's not a ton of clown movies I could think of off the top of my head. This was uh, one of John's favorite bad movies for a long period of time uh, when we were in college and any chance he got to annoy people by making them watch killer clowns from outer space he would take that opportunity it's a great 80s terrible horror movie <laughs> ira what's your number four my number four is titled i almost said entitled mm-hmm. you told me that titled a thousand clowns a thousand clowns. yes i don't know that's this. one of my favorite movies ever 1965 jason robards uh by the way martin balsam won the oscar for best supporting actor in that mm. film it's not about a thousand clowns there's a reference to it and he's an a ne'er-do-well out of work uh, actor J- jason robards character and his friend is chuckles the chipmunk but it's very clown-like, and he hosts a kiddie show. And it's very sad and pathetic watching his buddy trying to make it in showbiz as Chuckles the Clown. It's just a very sad scene. 
I we I hope you let that slide as a clown. Mm-hmm. Chuckles the chipmunk being an exaggerated chipmunk and very clown like, and I put that down for number four. And I highly recommend that movie. It was a famous play play as well. Okay, uh, a thousand clowns. All right, a thousand clowns. Um, my number four. Now I I'm almost cheating here, but I think I'm getting away on a technicality. My number four is Krusty the Clown, and he was in a movie. Yep, I have it on my list. I, the Simpsons. The Simpsons movie is. It, oh, is that on your list as well? It was on a. Um, it was on a uh, scoop of ice cream. Oh, a go scoop ahead. of ice ahead. cream. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, Krusty the Clown is is so iconic. And John, if I'm stepping on yours, if you want to chime in here about anything with Krusty, I think we all know Krusty the Clown. Yes, we do. <laughs> so I mean. It, Krusty is one of the most iconic characters just of of all television and and to to this is a cinema list and so I know throwing him in there is is a little it's a little cheat it's but a Simpsons movie. Yeah, I know. But yeah, it's these are all television characters, right? So I mean it is it is a little bit of a stretch. John John doesn't even think that's a stretch. She's in a movie. All right. Counts. What's your number 3? <sighs> number three. Well, I had Krusty the Clown. Should I just skip to number? As two? number three? Yeah. No, that's fine. We'll, okay. we'll, go, we'll skip around you. All right, go ahead, Ira. What's your number three? I think this will be on your list as well. The Joker in the Dark Knight. I guess it's not. <laughs> I guess not. Now, I thought about this, but because I decided I, not to. Well, he was looked like very clown-ish with his white pancake face. I know. I'm not. I'm not going to argue that he's not a clown. clown. He's a jester. Yeah. A yeah. He's a jester. Right. I, I think he's a cl- that's a clown character. I'm not disagreeing but with that. But you chose not to put it on your list, huh? I just I'd like Jack Nicholson's better. It's interesting you're saying that. I was... That might be on my list. <laughs> Jack Nicholson's. You're taking away my next. Oh, am uh, I? Yeah, but that's okay. But let me do the for uh, 2008 Christopher Nolan film, and obviously with what Ledger did and his commitment to the role, we've heard all these stories about how obsessed he was in becoming that character. He played tape recordings over and over in the hotel room, and 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 read books about weird shit but and it probably on some we can make the argument it did him in Hmm. it did quite a a permanent number on his psyche and i did decide to include that as my number three joker from the 2008 batman movie all right my number three is a movie that we've already mentioned which is bill murray's quick change so we've already talked about that john what's your number two well in a similar vein my number two is the joker but not this modern version of the joker I, it was tough for me to pick between Jack Nicholson and Cesar Romero, who played the Joker on the TV series, but also was the Joker in the Batman movie made mm-hmm. in the 60s. Mm-hmm. Oh. They're both very close for me, so I kind of have them, if I can cheat, there's a tie. But if okay. I had to pick, I'd probably have to take Nicholson. I still, I still think that is, this, cinema-wise, that's, that's, everybody else is just ripping him off at this point. I, that's kind of what I felt like was, Ledger was not that far of a deviation from Nicholson, but Nicholson's deviation from the 60s Batman was insane. I mean, that was a huge yes. leap. Yeah. Yes, what you just said what, is very true. What still bothers me to this day, because I'm not a huge fan of the of the Nolan Batman movies, mm-hmm. is that everyone's like, ooh, it's so dark. But I was like, do you remember when Batman came out in 1990? People thought it was way too dark. And then yeah. when the second Batman movie came out, they fired Tim Burton because it was so dark. Yeah. And that's why they hired Joel Schumacher to make it more terrible for the third one. <laughs> Because he had gotten too dark and too weird. And that's why, I don't know, they give all this credit to Nolan for making Batman dark. I was like, you could have had this 20 years ago. Yeah. So. I, I, I think Nicholson is... He killed it. Yeah, he it's was great. amazing. And Keaton was amazing. I, I, the two of them together was a really interesting combo. 
Ira? Yes, and we're on... Uh, this number, is your number two, number right? Number two, and you ready? Mm-hmm. And it's Jack Nicholson as the Joker mm. in, in that Batman movie. And he was more, quote, clown-like mm-hmm. than Ledger was. He was with the, the face. It was more of that persona. Yeah. And he... With the toys it, and the props right, and things right, like right, that. Right, 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 right. I don't think it was as good a movie as the, as the Nolan film... But his role with Jack Nicholson as that clown-like character, I put him down for my second choice. All right. My uh, my number two. You know, I heard somebody say one time that if if you watch a movie, if you have one or two really really good scenes, it makes the movie. And there is one scene in a movie that I'm about to say for my number two with a clown, and it made the movie so memorable. And that was the robotic clown from FX2. Do you remember the robotic clown? We spoke about FX, the, the movie FX, but not the second. We spoke about it was the FX2. One. Right. No. And there was a. And they have a robot about. that they they're they're using this remote control robot, and they kind of test them out in the beginning just to to show, and they dress them up like a clown. And then these bad guys come in, they're trying to uh, beat him up, and he grabs the switches on the remote and starts throwing them in such a way that it beats up all the bad guys. The robot, you know, is, is being controlled by, uh, what's the guy, not Brian Dennehy, what's the guy's name? Um, it's also, um, Brian, uh, it's Australian, right? Yeah. Uh, Australian actor. Oh, geez. Um, FX. And producer Joe, F put it up. X. FX2. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so yeah, it's the robotic clown from FX2. And that scene alone is worth watching an entire movie. It's so funny because they've set it up really, really well, and it pays off. That's I love about the, the two FX movies. Both those FX movies. I think they're kind of underappreciated. Did you ever see those? I, I saw them at the time. I don't remember them very well now. Uh. Yeah, all right, John. What's your number one? Well, this one's a little stretch, but uh, I, this was actually the first clown that I thought of, like when you told me what the top five was. Mm-hmm. And I doubt you'll ever see this again in the future of this franchise. But in the film Octopussy, Roger Moore actually dresses up as a clown in one of the climactic scenes <laughs> where that takes place at a circus where he has to defuse a bomb that is hidden inside of a uh, cannon that's about to launch a, a little little person out of it. <laughs> I do not you remember this. this. Oh, I it's great. That. That's great. There's a whole that's sequence. There's a whole sequence where he runs into a bunch of other clowns and these guys are chasing him and they grab the wrong clown and then... He's running around in a circus, and it's—I don't think you'll ever see James Bond dressing up as a clown. He was full clown, full clown gear. I always think of that when I think of Octopussy. How do you dress up like a clown so fast? He like jumped into a trailer to hide from these like security people that were looking for him. It was very similar to like Pee Wee's Big. It reminded me of Pee Wee's Big Adventure, where he comes out in the rodeo gear. Right. It's the same type of thing, and then he gets like that. He gets roped into the circus. Shaken, not stirred. I bet his name starts with a B. I'm Brian Brown. That's it. See, I knew there was a B in this. Yeah. I love those two. Ira, what's your number one? Number one, a movie that features a clown or a clown appears in a film, Poltergeist. Oh, the, the first one, yeah. 1980. By the way, Toby, I forgot Toby Hooper directed that. There was an issue about who really directed that. Spielberg was on the set a lot, but the credit did go to Toby Hooper. And there were close-ups in that little girl's room mm-hmm. with the clown suddenly appearing. And it was so powerful. And I remember that image and it just shot through me. And um, even though it wasn't featured a lot in the film, there was still a startling effect of seeing the clown in the little girl's bedroom. Didn't That's that girl get choked out? Yes. She got she murdered, died. right? Yeah. Was it murder? She died? I don't know how she died. I think her boyfriend like choked her out on her driveway or something. 
They're it's a, back. And, and then he said he only got like two years prison. It's just because a girl. <laughs> she. I read about this. She had. <laughs> Look at Sean. Look at he Sean. was like this abusive boyfriend, and he beat her up so much that she had an episode of uh, Hill Street Blues that she showed up for, and they, she was supposed to play this beat up runaway, and she was so she had so many bruises from her boyfriend when she showed up that um, they didn't put her into makeup. They were just like. All right, we're good. And then people would write in, and they wrote in about the show and said, yeah, that girl has way too much makeup on. It doesn't look realistic at all. It was actually her black and blue face from this guy who repeatedly beat the shit out of her. And then he, like, chokes her and kills her on her driveway and then goes to prison for, like, a year and a half or something. Fucking weird story. My number one. My number one, yeah. My number one is from a movie that I'm, I'm really happy I got to work in. 1989's UHF, there's Bobbo the Clown. Did you see UHF? I know of the movie. I've never seen it. What did he... I don't remember him. What did he do in the movie? Bobbo the Clown. Okay, so Weird Al Yankovic hosts a kid's show, and his he makes his best friend, Bob, play the clown. And he keeps, like, a, abusing him and hitting him in the face with a frying pan, but he uses, like, a real frying pan and really knocks him out. And he makes him eat all these... Uh, like uh, cookies and you know Bob was like eating and we're like these are awful and then he realizes that he's got the sponsor wrong and it kind of looks closer at the sponsor and it it's actually like Yappo's dog treats and so he's been eating like all these this dog food and stuff so he just gets abused and he's really funny and then I love that movie because I was a little kid and you got it in yeah I want to compliment you on the game that's really cool I was trying to come up with I made a real effort to come up with clown movies that are not horror movies, you know, and the game that was a that was a a powerful scene, but it was it was just really a smart a smart option one of yours. Thanks, I liked, buddy. I like how you think. All I right. I kind of like the uh, James Bond. I don't that, even remember I that. Even, I don't remember that at all. If you look it up on YouTube, like I actually re- so I rewatched fun. the scene because I was like, right, I just need to know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but I always I can, I I can see that image in my head whenever I think of Octopussy. Also, I just wanted to say Octopussy on the show because <laughs> they used to make movies like that. They called them Octopussy, and it was fine. All right. Well, do, hey, what, guess what? Oh, do I have an honorable? Can I do my honorable? Yeah, mention? absolutely. Uh, I wanted to mention this film because this actor just died recently. Now, none of us have seen this film because no one has seen this uh, film. Yeah. I know. I, we were gonna, but, yeah, yeah. it's... Should I say it? The Day the, the Clown... The Day the Clown Cried? Yep. I mean, I feel like... I, I was doing some research on this, and apparently, before he died, Jerry Lewis gave a copy to the Library of Congress... No way. ...in 2015, and he said, do not... They can screen it, but not until t- t- after 2024. So I think we need to all get together again and watch this movie when it's released finally wow. in 2024. Or we might have to go to the Library of Congress to watch it. But he did give a copy bef- before he died. The movie was Jerry Lewis's obsession. He wrote it, directed it, and starred in it. And again, we should. He said it was awful. Yeah, and Nazi Germany concentration camp cheering up the kids as a clown. Jerry Lewis as uh, as they were being marched into gas chambers. You know, I I think it's it's really commendable for him to realize that this film has historical importance and not to just destroy it. It would have been really easy to just destroy because it it, he retained all the ownership for his stuff. So how easy would that have been? And and nobody would have ever known if it was that bad, but instead he gives it to library of Congress. I didn't hear that. Maybe it's great. We'll find out. Yeah. Not too dissimilar from life is beautiful. Remember that? Yes. It was sort of similar to that in a way. Yeah. Yeah. What was another scoop of ice cream? Was that any other film? That was it. That was it for me. All right. 
Did you have some, Ira? I was going to try to trick you again with my number one and say Patch Adams just to be funny. No, I, I know. I, I thought I, you were going to I, 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 I did think of that. I was just going to yeah. like, I did you know, too. fuck you guys. I thought for sure you were going to have that on your Patch list, Patch Adams. Yeah, thanks. Uh, Patch Adams, and I also did write down the day the clown cried. And, um, 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 oh, the devil's rejects. I saw that. That was. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. And the killer was a. What's that? Zombie, the director. Rob, Rob Zombie. Rob Zombie directed that. Those are a few of my. There's Captain Spaulding. Sco- yes, that's right. Captain Spaulding. Those are my scoops of ice cream. All right. I don't have any scoops yes, of ice cream. Well, the one I was going to do was going to be Batman. So we, uh, we talked about it. So. Hey, guess what? We did it. We did it. There you go. John. Yes, sir. Yay. Nice. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks I, for coming on, John. I haven't talked this long in a while. <laughs> Uh, well, let's, uh, John, why don't you give out a, a few little plugs and let, let people know where they can find you. Uh, where, you. Where can they listen to your music? Uh, you can listen to my music on SoundCloud. It just, it's just Aristocat. It's not DJ Aristocat? No, my DJ Aristocat got taken down. Too many stri- You can get strikes on SoundCloud. Ooh. So it's just Aristocat. Or you can just go to my website, djaristocat.com, where you can follow me on Instagram, DJ Aristocat. Same thing on Twitter, at DJ Aristocat. And I'm everywhere. Or you can just Google me. That's probably the easiest way. My, right. my website will come up first. All right. Thanks for the plug. You got those uh, search engine optimizations all oh, working for I got, you. I got my tech my tech man back in Chicago <laughs> making sure I'm listed number one on Google. He's just sitting in the search, van yeah. doing all the tech work. SEO. Yes. Right. You taught me that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and as for us, we have a film that's coming out called 30 Love. That's going to be released at the Vista Theater on, Los Angeles, on September 28th. And of course, the film that John and I directed uh, is going to be playing before that. That's called Lapse Poetic. And that's going to be playing. It's a short film. It's about four minutes long. That's going to be playing before 30 Love on September 28th. And the both films will be screening for the entire week at the Los Feliz 3. So that's going to be a bunch of different show times throughout the day. That starts on September 29th and that goes all the way until October 5th. So if you're in the Los Angeles area and you want to check that out, be sure to go down to Los Feliz, buy a ticket there, and you can see both of those films, the short film and the feature-length film. And as for us, if, uh, if you like our top five, if you hate our top five, if you have something that you want to say, if you want to send a message to us, you can do that by sending us an email to robert at moneyshotpodcast.net or... And or Ira at moneyshotpodcast.net. Or you can shoot us a Twitter tweet, whatever you call those. I think it's a tweet. Uh, you can send us a Twitter message at moneyshotpod or you can send us a direct message through Instagram, which is at moneyshotpodcast. We're all over the place, aren't we? We really are. Yeah, we are. You can find us on iTunes, on Stitcher, on on Google Play. Go to our website. Yeah, and just be sure to tell a friend, spread the word about the podcast, the movie, the the music of DJ Aristocat. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) How was that again? Ram. (laughs) All right, and so until next time, keep watching movies. And we'll help you sort them out. So what's interesting (laughs) is... She really was a slut. I was going to say the same thing.